You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. God alone be praised. We thank God for the privilege of approaching him. The Bible says that blessed is the one that, the, that God chooses and causes to approach him. So if God has chosen you, he's chosen me today and caused us to approach him. We are blessed in Jesus name. Amen. You are blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um. So this morning, we'll be looking at something that the Holy Spirit laid in my heart. Um, our senior pastor is in Lagos ministering um, in this present house. Um, they've already done the first service. The second service is on now. And I'm privileged to be the one that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through today to his people, to the people of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, so I've been meditating on the word of God and when a particular scripture dropped in my spirit I, I began to ask the Lord you know this morning also I was thinking about it and I was saying that what a message to preach on a day like this on a family fun day where people just want to come and be merry and we will be merry today in Jesus name we will have fun in the name of Jesus but first things first so what came to my mind was when someone's house is on fire he does not throw a party when your house is on fire, you don't call a party. Do you throw a party? You, 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 you first of all salvage the things that you can salvage. And then you can call people for thanksgiving afterwards. Praise the Lord. When everything is sorted out, then you can have the party. So that's what I heard. When your house is on fire, you can't throw a party. Praise the name of the Lord. I want us to open our Bibles to um, Matthew chapter 13. I will read from verse 24, Matthew chapter 13, and I will read from verse 24. I don't know if we have it. Okay, great. Thank you. It says, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I think I'll just read from here. But when the grain, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the weeds with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, um, in verse, in verse um, 36, our Lord Jesus Christ began to explain this parable to his disciples. It says, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. That is referring to Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed, this, who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So it will be at the end of this age. 
the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father he who has ears to hear let him hear praise the lord somebody praise the lord somebody so in verse 24 it says the bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while men slept while men slept now one thing you need to understand about um our God, there's just so many things running in my, in my head, but the Holy Spirit will help me to put everything together. Jesus sowed good seeds. But while men slept, an enemy went and sowed what? Tears. You must know that the devil is always out to counterwork Jesus. Anything Jesus does, the devil wants to spoil. Are we getting it? So he said, while men slept, is sleep a bad thing? Because the Bible says, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. But the sleep that we are looking at this morning is not the sleep of you just going to bed. It's a type of sleep that your, your, your spiritual senses are numb. You don't even know what the Spirit of God is saying. You're not, you're not um, receptive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's what the devil does. When God sows a good seed, he, he, he sows tears. He sows bad seeds amongst the good seeds. But um, let me not, you know, go too fast. And then he said, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tears also appeared. Notice again that the tears were waiting for the grains to, to, to come out. As long as the grains were still in the ground, the tears did not show up. But he says that they now came, okay, also appeared. He says, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tears? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tears, you also uproot the wheat. In with them I was asking the Lord some time ago I said why did Jesus come because this is the season of Christmas why did Jesus come why did the king of glory why did he leave his throne in glory to come to the earth that he created as the songwriter sang why did the light of the world step down into darkness because he wanted to save men Jesus came for the salvation of the souls of men. That's the reason he came. So while we're celebrating Christmas and we're showing love to people and we're dancing and we're rejoicing, we must never lose focus of the reason for which he came. So that when we say Jesus is the reason for the season, it's not just that he's the reason why we're dancing, we're happy, we're eating. It is because of what he came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus came to do. Okay, and the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. I need you to know that word, should not. Because when a Christian, when you're born again, you're not supposed to perish. So you should not. But do Christians perish? The answer is yes. Otherwise, the scripture that says, Jesus said on that day, some will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did this and that in your name. And he said, I never knew you. You can't call him Lord, except at some point you got born again. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord, somebody. You cannot call Jesus Lord if you did not get born again at some point. But what, he, what you know, when, when he says to them, when, uh, where he says, um, um, I, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. It meant that the people in their lifetime did not live the life of Christians. They did not live the life. Praise the Lord. And that's why the Lord did not recognize them. 
Even though at some point in their lives, they actually said yes to Jesus. But some of them followed, you know, some of them were more interested in in self-aggrandizement and all of that. They were not preaching the gospel. They were not living the life. And so another question that I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why is it that you're not in a hurry to punish disobedience? And the Lord took me to a scripture. In 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, please if you can put it for me. Why are you, Lord, not in a hurry to punish the wicked? Because Jesus said to them that they should not. He says, leave them, let them grow together. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Listen, church, every time we've looked, we've used, most people have used this scripture. It's about what God has promised you, right? And you say that, and, and we, all, we always end up saying that God is not slack concerning his promise. But I want us to understand what the scripture is talking about today. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he's not slack. You know, they've been preaching to us for so many years that Jesus is coming soon, isn't it? And some people have been saying that, ah, this thing that we started hearing since, how come up till now? Where in 2020, he still has not come. And this is the reason why he has not come. Because he is long-suffering towards us. God does not want anybody to perish. God wants his children to go to heaven. He wants us to spend eternity with him. This battle is about souls, church. It is about souls. Pastor has told us that it is a soul exchange market. That's what it is. So Jesus is sowing good seeds. The devil is sowing bad seeds. It's a war. Jesus wants souls into the he wants souls in the kingdom. The devil wants souls in his own kingdom of darkness. And what will it be? That is what it is. Let's not deceive ourselves. That's what it is. That's the war that is going on in the world today. But because of the mercy of the Lord, he is patient. He is long-suffering. He doesn't want anybody to perish. What an awesome God we serve. What a wonderful Savior he is. What a merciful God. That he will leave his throne in glory just to come down to save, to seek and to save the lost. Praise the Lord, somebody. He says, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. You know, I was thinking about this particular scripture. And I realized that, well, that's what the Holy Spirit ministered to me. That when he said to them that, no, don't uproot the tares now. Because if you do so now, you might uproot the wheat as well. In other words... If God decides to judge the world today, brethren, a lot of Christians will go to hell. A lot will go to hell. With what we're hearing and what we're seeing these days, a lot of Christians will not make it. But God is merciful. Someone say, Father, thank you for your mercy. Say, thank you for your mercy. That is the reason. So many of us are, you know, we're Christians. Some are baby Christians. Some are, you know, at a particular level. And God is watching. His mercy will not allow him end this thing now. So that we can make it. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. So the enemy, because I I really need us to understand what is going on. The enemy always looks for an opportune time. In Luke chapter 4, where he tempted Jesus, it says that the devil came and tempted him. And when Jesus had messed him up, he said he left Jesus for an opportune time. Church, the message I brought to us this morning is that we should be alert. Say to your neighbor, stay alert. Say to your other neighbor, stay alert. 
We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. The Bible says that our, our, our adversary, like a roaring lion, is always going about seeking whom he may devour. I've not brought you devour. I've not brought you a long message this morning, but I, I brought you a very simple message that if you catch it, you will finish strong this year. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be alert. You must stay alert. For the Christian, there is no off day. We are always on duty. Christianity is not just what we do. It is who we are. That's who we are. And when you understand who you are, whenever I teach the Joy First class, I tell them, I ask them a question. I say, who are you? This person will say, I'm in Kechi. I say, no. Who are you? The answer is, I'm a Christian. What are you? You can tell me what you do. If I ask you what is your name, then you can answer your name. But who are you is that you're a Christian. What, what, um, what are you is your profession. And then why are you? Those three questions you must be able to answer. So let's break it down. I am a Christian. This is my foundation. This is who I am. And then I am, let me say, I am a pastor. It is my profession. It is what I do. And it is my platform. It is my pulpit. Then why do I exist? Is that I may reconcile men back to God through the preaching of the gospel. Praise the Lord. Does it make sense? If you cannot connect those three things, then there's a problem. Every Christian must be able to settle that. Because if you don't settle that you're a Christian, you will make a lot of mistakes. Praise the Lord. But you must first of all know that you are a Christian. That is who I am. Get it into your, into your mind, into your spirit. That who you are is a Christian. That's who you are. And then when you, when you know that you're a Christian, then you know that that now influences every other thing that you do in life. You start from there. In, 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 and then um, in Luke chapter 5, talking about what you are. Jesus um, took the boat of, 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 of Peter. And the Bible records that using it as a pulpit in the message translation, he preached the gospel. So Peter's, Peter was a, a, a fisherman. What was his boat? His boat was his pulpit. His boat was a platform that God gave him. Okay? So wherever you are, wherever, whatever is your station in life, that is your pulpit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to do it. Praise the Lord, church. We must preach the gospel. That is the essence of our being. That is the only thing that you and I are living for. That is our purpose. And that's why we must know that I am a Christian. You are a Christian. You have a platform. Even if you don't have a job, you have um, social media. You, you, you're on social media. That becomes your platform with which you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't have a message to post, you don't have a picture to post, please post scriptures. It's an opportunity. Because every opportunity that you do not take advantage of, the devil takes advantage of it. Whatever space you give the devil, he just steps in. He doesn't sleep, church. And so that's why I'm here this morning to beg us that we must not sleep. We have how many days till the end of December? We must not sleep, church. We must be alert. This is a time that people go home for Christmas and get into all kinds of things. And so some people will go now and say, ah, it's just Christmas, so let us drink and be merry. Because it is Christmas, let us party. Because it is Christmas, you can do anything that you want to do. And when it's January, then you will now say, okay, New Year resolution, I won't do it again. No, church. Because the devil is not sleeping. The Bible says he's constantly going about like a roaring lion. He's always seeking whom he may devour. Please open with me to Second, um, um, second Samuel, chapter 11, verse 1. Let me show you what happened to David, King David. He says, it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah. 
But David remained at Jerusalem. Let me see the next verse. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now let me just stop. Please read it when you get home. The long and short of that story was that this was a season where kings went out to battle. In our time, we're not going out to battle. It may be prayer meeting. Maybe time for prayer meeting. But that day, David, King David decided not to go. Other kings went to battle. You know the Bible, eh? See, the Bible has details and we need to pay attention to details. Because he didn't need to tell us that that was the time that kings went to battle. He could have just said that David was walking around and then behold, he saw a naked woman. No. He said that was the time that kings went to battle. But David did not go. He sent off his men. He didn't know that the devil was going to tempt him. He didn't know that the enemy was waiting, locking around to, 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 to uh, um, um, prowl. He didn't know. He didn't know. But then it happened that he was now walking about and then he saw a naked woman. And then he desired her because she was beautiful. And we know the rest of the story. He took her, he slept with her, she became pregnant. He didn't know how to hide his sins. So he went and made sure the, man, the, the woman's husband was killed. But you know God punished him because when she had that baby, God killed that baby. Why am I saying all of these things, brethren? Why am I saying all this? Because I see that the devil is not sleeping. But the church is asleep. The church is asleep. When it's time for prayer meeting, mm -mm, people cannot pray. Those are the times, those are the opportune times for the devil to strike you. I'm telling you the truth. That's what it is. Because he, he waits for when your guards are down and then he strikes and then you fall. Because the time of grace, you, you miss that opportunity of being in the company of the brethren. Where you should have been praying in the Holy Ghost. And being strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. But what you were doing was you were just, please let me just watch something. Let me just do this and that. And then the devil caught you in that moment and messed you up. He said the devil is seeking whom he may devour. To devour something is to eat it, ravish it. That's what he's seeking. So the young people in the house, I beg you, as someone who has been young and now I'm old, praise the Lord. <laughs> Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken? <laughs> Hallelujah. But young people, I beg you, in this period, I don't know who you are, a young lady, you're looking, you're trusting God for a husband this Christmas, you know, that it will not pass you and may it not pass you in the name of Jesus. But then what will you do? What will you do? Because when people are desperate, I want to get married. It's a good thing. It says he who desires a wife, desires what? Eh? It's a good thing. Sorry, he who finds a wife, finds a good thing. Sorry. It's okay to want to marry. But it's not okay to do it in a way that is ungodly church I just pray that the Lord would take what is in my heart and minister it to someone today that we need to be sober we need to be sober temptations will come in this season but you need to be sober someone will say uh -uh, if I drink alcohol will I go to hell I can't answer that question I'm not God you may not go to hell, but someone who is under the influence of alcohol cannot be sober. Do you understand what I'm saying? Someone who is under the influence of alcohol cannot be sober. And the Bible says be sober, be what? Vigilant. If you're under the influence of alcohol, you can't be alert. So when anything is happening around you or somebody who is high on some substance... You don't even know what you're doing. 
You won't know what you're doing. So you need to be sober. You need to walk circumspectly. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. And what does it mean to walk circumspectly? I checked it and I looked it up in the dictionary. It says, be careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Be very careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. In other words, this thing that I'm about to do, what will it lead to? Will it be good or bad? And let's not forget that they, they're, they're God always, you know, positions because every child of God is born to be a deliverer. There's always somebody that God has called you to deliver, to bring into the kingdom, to deliver from the, you know, from the kingdom of darkness and into the marvelous light of our God. So whatever step you take may affect the generation coming behind you. So when we do what we do, we're not just doing it for ourselves only. Jesus said, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. So for the sake of those that are coming behind us, we must sanctify ourselves. Sanctification simply means to set yourself apart. You're a Christian. I want to repeat it. Say, I am a Christian. If you're sure you're one, but if you're not, please don't say. I am a Christian. That is who I am. It, it influences every other thing. It influences how you speak. It influences how you dress. It, it, it influences how you do business. It influences how you marry your wife. It influences how you raise your children. Knowing that you are a Christian changes everything. Changes everything. Some time ago, um, some, a, friend, a, a close friend of... Uh, um, of mine, you know, and I traveled with some, some, you know, nice um, ladies, and we and we and we left. The, we went outside the country, and you know, we found ourselves in a very beautiful place where, you know, we just wanted to have fun. You know, girls wanted to have fun, but fun in in righteousness. Okay, just like we're going to be having after service. But I realized that the people that we went with, we didn't know most of them. We knew a few. At least we knew the convener. But it got to a time where, you know, some people were just, you know, drinking alcohol, taking this, you know, wine. They would say it's wine. It's just this, it's just that. We're just drinking. We, we told ourselves, even if we are in Obodoyibo, eh, we know who we are. And so we must not be a partaker of this thing that they're doing. So we refused. Oh, would you want wine? No. Why? We don't drink. It's as simple as ABCD. At some point, they played a kind of music. I got up and went into, I left, I left the place. What's going on with you? I said, no, that, that music that is being played is offensive to my spirit. And then the next thing I left and went back to my own apartment. Listen. You must let your light shine. You must let your light shine. You cannot blend in. Christians don't blend in. We stand out. We don't blend in. We stand out. We're Christians. Till tomorrow, they have respect for me. Because I refuse to compromise. They even told me, they said, ah, but pastor so-and-so is drinking with us. I said, I'm not pastor that. This is me. I know my own self. There are levels of sanctification. There are levels. I'm telling you, there are levels. This is who you are. You must stand out. Don't say, oh, it's social drinking. Do not drink. You're a Christian. Don't drink. Because if you drink, you will not be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I don't want us to be asleep. I want to wake up the church. I want to break that spiritual inertia. That people are not changing, people are not moving, people are not doing what they ought to do as Christians. And so we're having casualties in the church. Children of God being messed up, messed around and devoured by the devil. And the church is asleep. But we will sleep no more. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will sleep no more. In the name of the Lord Jesus.
we will be awake. We will be awake in the name of Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 5. It says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be, let us watch and be, oh, it's not up. Please open your Bibles. Church, open your Bibles. If it's not up, you can read from your Bible. It says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be, let us watch and be. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be what? Sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And a helmet. The hope of salvation. It says those of us who are of the day. We're not supposed to sleep. We're supposed to be sober. We're not supposed to be sleeping, church. We're supposed to be sober. We're supposed to know what the will of God is in this time. We're supposed to know that every opportunity that you have is to, is to win a soul to him. When we go to eat today, the Bible is talking about um, 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 what the apostles did in Acts chapter 2. He said they went from house to house breaking bread and God added to them such as needed to be saved. So even in the fun that we're having, God wants to save a soul. Listen, God doesn't waste opportunities. Neither does the devil. Every opportunity you have is to preach the gospel. It is to live the life of a believer. And grace is there to help us. Because it's not by might and it's not by power. But by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord somebody. So this is a season to be about our father's business. Please, I don't want us to confuse you know, ourselves. Let us be about our father's business. You would enjoy your Christmas. You will eat. I will eat. I will enjoy myself. I will have fun. But by the grace of God, we will not lose touch of the essence of this season. Praise Jesus. So whether you're working at work or leisure... Preach the gospel. I said a Christian is never off duty. Because when you know that you are a Christian, then you know that you can never say I'm on vacation. There's nothing like vacation for a Christian. There's no vacation. There's no vacation. You're always on duty. It's, it's 24-7, 247, how they say. You're always on duty. Because even if you're playing, you must know where to draw the line. There's some play that you tell them, no, this one, no, I can't do this one. Even when I went home in November, was it November? You know, to attend my auntie's funeral. You know, in my family, they were discussing some things, and this one said this, this one said that. I laughed at them, I said, me. In my, in my family, we have how many pastors? About three or four of us. I told them, I said, there are certain things that, not by might, not by power, you can't catch me doing those things. Because I know that the moment you do those things, you know, it, even you, because you have the Holy Spirit, you know that this, God is not pleased with you. Nobody needs to see you. Nobody needs to see you. Because people only, only, only confess their sins when they are caught. Nobody needs to see you. God is seeing. That's what I tell myself. The other day, let me tell you something that happened when my daughter got married um, two weeks ago. And we, we had bought takeaway plates, bowls, bowls. You know how you pick them up from the market? You're supposed to wash them right before you use. But, you know, we, we didn't remember to wash them. And they wanted to pack some food for some people. And they just brought it and said, you know what? There's no time. There's no time. People are already in the hall. People are already, you know, let's just start serving, you know. They took it. They said they'll wipe it. I told them, no. I said, we have to wash it. They said, no. Let them just wipe it. Let them just wipe it. I said, you have to wash it. They said, let's wipe it. It will be clean. Mommy, it's okay. And I stood there. 
And I said to myself, if somebody did this to me, how would I feel? That you used a plate that was not washed and you served me food. I said, God forbid that somebody should eat at my daughter's wedding and be sick. I said, the Lord knows that these plates are not washed. I said, I can't use it. I said, go and wash it. Even if we delay the food for 10, 15 minutes, it is better. Conscience. Your conscience. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit man. Your conscience will speak to you. Your conscience will tell you that what you're doing is wrong. You don't even need anybody. The Bible says when we judge ourselves, we will not be judged by any man. Whenever you see people judging people, it's because they, those, that person did not judge himself. When you judge yourself, God will not, nobody will judge you. Because you have already judged your actions or your motives and you know that they are wrong. And therefore you, you, you make amends. God never delights in exposing his children. But he will speak to you in that still small voice. He will tell you, my daughter, my son, this thing you're doing is not right. If you're sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit, you would ask for grace. Because the Bible says that there is forgiveness with him that he may be feared. Praise the Lord. And it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance anyway. But if you don't respond to what the Holy Spirit, you know, the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, then a time will come when you'll be exposed. And when God exposes, it's still out of love. Do you know that? It's still out of love. So that your spirit, your soul may be saved. So when somebody exposes a wrong that you've done, don't say this person hates me. They don't hate you. It's for the salvation of your soul. Because if they leave you in that sin, you will rot in hell. But you will not rot in hell in the name of Jesus. Because salvation is here. Ephesians chapter 5. And we will start closing from here. Ephesians chapter 5. I like to look at the Passion Translation. I don't know if we have it. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read um, from the Passion. From the Passion Translation. It says, Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. That is our mission. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. And don't even associate with the servants of darkness because they have no fruit in them. Instead, reveal the truth to them. The very things they do in secret are too vile and filthy to even mention. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. And King James will say, whatever makes manifest is light. Because light always exposes darkness. And the, in, in, the intent or the, or, the, or the purpose of God for exposing darkness is that there may be correction. God is a good God. He's a good father. He doesn't want his children to perish. He didn't send Jesus all the way from heaven to come and die so that the, so that the devil will gain advantage over us. No. For God so loved the world to the point of sending his son to die. The same one who loved you so much, you think he wants you to end up in hell. No. He doesn't. He doesn't. So whenever anything is exposed, it's because he wants to save. It's because he wants to deliver. He wants to correct. So whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. This is why the scripture says, 
Arise, you sleeper. Rise up from your coffin. And the anointed one will shine his light into you. Praise the Lord. So he says from verse 15, he says, So be very careful. See that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. And we said that walking circumspectly means carefully considering all circumstances and consequences of your actions. What will my action lead to? What am I about to do? What will it lead to? You must ask that question. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he what? He endured the cross. There was a joy set before him. If you have a picture of where you're going, then it will influence every other thing that you do. Jesus, what the joy that was set before Jesus is you and I. The salvation of our souls. Because the Bible says that he will see the travail of his soul and he will be satisfied. So when he thought about the work he was going to do, the salvation work, when they slapped him, when they beat him, when they hit him, spat on him, Jesus could take it because he was seeing the joy. There was a joy before him and he knew that he could not abort that mission. So he continued and they were doing and he did not lose focus. And that's the same thing that it is today, that it should be today. That when you know that this is where you want to go to, like me, I've settled in my heart, I say, God, by your grace and mercy, me, I will go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Hell. Listen, there was a time I went to Lagos with a friend of mine. From the airport, we stayed on, in traffic for almost five hours. No AC in the car. It was hot. Lagos is humid. You know, hot, humid, it's just, you know, that the weather was horrible. And I was imagining, this is just earth, though. this is not hellfire. Okay? And then imagine what hellfire will be like. I, me, I don't want to go to hell. I am going to heaven. I don't know if you want to say the same for yourself. Some people are staring at me. Me, eh? China is okay, okay. I am going to heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that will be my final destination in life. Praise God. Every time Pastor and I are traveling, and they ask us final destination. Although whenever I'm traveling, a pastor says that I'm scared. Though. Pastor will just say final destination. Pastor will say heaven. I say, ah, let the plane crash you and take us to heaven now. Not today. But indeed, final destination, heaven. So when you have heaven as your goal, you will live, you will walk circumspectly. Because you can see that big picture of where you're going. That's what Jesus saw. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. So when trials and temptations come, the things that put people under pressure to want to compromise, to forget that they're Christians, when those things come, you tell the devil, he said, now I understand your wiles. What you want is to deceive me so that I will fall. I will not, by the grace of God. Praise the Lord, somebody. That is what it is about. So young ladies, keep yourselves. Keep yourselves pure. Young men, keep yourselves pure and undefiled. Married men, married women, keep yourselves pure. Be satisfied with the wife of your youth. God doesn't make mistakes. You saw all the women, but you decided you are the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. And you picked her, you asked her to marry you. Be satisfied with the wife of your youth. Drink from your own system. Don't let anybody share it with you. And don't share someone else's own. Enjoy what God has given you in Christ. Don't take what belongs to another man. Be satisfied. Bible says godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. When you're godly and you're content with your portion in life. This is what God has given me. It says it's great gain. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise the Lord somebody. 
So God is calling his church to be different. He's calling us to shine as light. We are the good seeds scattered all over the world. When the Bible says, you are the light of the world. He's not just talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to all of us. He's talking to Christians all over the world. You are the light of the world. It's not possible that my light can affect someone in Afghanistan. But if there's another Christian or Christians in Afghanistan, their light will affect the people in their place. My light will affect the people in this nation. And so will your light. So that makes us the light of the world. Because wherever we are, we're shining for the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God wants to gain glory through your life. Let's rise on our feet. I want us to pray this morning. And the scripture I have is the same scripture Pastor Nath was praying from this morning. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. That we may be filled with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we may walk worthy of you. Fully pleasing you and be fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Let us pray that prayer. That God will fill us with the knowledge of his will. That we will come to know the will of God per time. And that we will be filled. Please, I want us to pray. Pray for yourself. I'm praying for myself. Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That I may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing God and being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God day by day. Fill me Lord with the knowledge of your will. Fill me oh God I want to know what your will is for my life per time. And in every season. Lord fill me with the knowledge of your will oh God. What is in your heart and in your mind, reveal it to me that I may know and that I may receive grace to walk in it, oh God. Help me to walk worthy of you, Lord. Help me, oh God, Father, to be fully pleasing to you. Help me to be fruitful in every good work, oh God, Father. I want us to pray that God will remove everything in us that does not look like Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, remove everything in me, oh God. Whatever it is in me that does not look like Jesus. Lord, remove it. Take it away from me, oh God. Take it away from my life. Take it away from my heart. Take it away from my mind. Everything, oh God, that is in me that does not look like Jesus. Lord, take it away. I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. Take away whatever is in me that it does not look like Jesus, Lord. Looking like Jesus is enough for me. Don't want to look like anything or anyone else. Father, take away. Whatever is in me that does not look like Jesus, Mashila Broskaha. Ni manda rimo shita lebrondorobos kontoribahanda. Ni manda rimo shika lebrondorobos. Let us pray that in this season our light will so shine before men that they will see our good works and they will give glory to our Father in heaven. In this season, Lord God, let our light help us that our light will so shine before men, O oh God. For the light in us is light indeed. It is not darkness. Help us, O oh God. Let this light so shine. Let it shine to the point that men see it. And they give glory to you, mighty God. In the name of Jesus, I want us to pray again. Pray that the Lord will give you the grace to stand strong and to finish strong in this 2020. Let us pray in the name of Jesus. Father, give us the grace to stand strong and to finish strong in this year 2020. We have just 11 days to go. Lord, give us the grace 
we will not fall. We will not falter in the name of Jesus. And we will enter into the new year in strength. In the name of Jesus. In the spirit. In the strong in the spirit. Strong in faith. Lord the grace to stand strong and to finish strong. In the name of Jesus. Help us Lord. Father help us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. One more prayer. I want us to. It says the Bible says in Psalm, Psalms 133. 133 verse 3. Please help me. One Psalm 133. Okay. Talk, it says that there the Lord commands. But it says oh how good. And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let us pray that everything that we do today will be done in unity. That we will dwell together in unity because it says that that is where the Lord commands his blessing. Let us pray that as we eat, as we drink, as we play, as we dance, that God will command his blessing. That we will do it with a spirit of oneness. There will be unity in the house. Nobody is fighting the other. The Bible says that it better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a feast where there is hatred. That's I'm paraphrasing now. Where love is, even if your dinner is herbs, even if it's just, you know, Coke and, and Sprite and Fanta and banana that we have to eat. Once there is love, it is beautiful. Okay? It's better than when you have a feast and people are quarreling. So we're saying that today we will not quarrel. We will not fight. We will do everything that we will do in unity. And God will command his blessings in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Let's conclude our prayer by giving God thanks for answered prayers. To the church, Father, we thank you for answered prayers. We we'll bless you for that which you are set to do this morning. Even as we go out for the family one day, oh God. Let us indeed, oh Lord, experience full joy in your presence, oh God. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We receive all the good that you have for us today, oh God. Blessed be your holy name, our Father. For in Jesus' awesome name we have prayed and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashankari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 07-03-15-884-04. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you